Hi, welcome to the Wellness Doctors podcast with Dr. Lorena and Dr. Vanessa. We are both medical doctors who talk about how to optimize health and well-being so that you can be empowered to make better healthy choices, enrich the lives of people around you and join us in the evolution of healthcare. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. So I'm with Lorena now and her three dogs. So if you hear dogs barking in this podcast, I'm not going to bother to remove it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was meant to be away and then the whole travel ban happened. And so I decided that it was probably not going to be very fun to stay at home for 14 days as a self-quarantine. And so I turned back at the airport, which was a really hard thing to do. Uh, but I guess at the end of the day, it was a necessary thing given the government bans happening all across the world. So here I am with Lorena. Yep, and we're spending time together with our three dogs. We had a nice homemade um, pizza um, and we just thought that, well, if that's the case and we're both here in Hong Kong, why not spend time together and talk a little bit about our weekend routines? Yeah, well, weekend and weekday. So we and wanted to talk about sports this time and just do an overview of you know different types of exercise and their benefits and just compare what we do in a, on a day-to-day basis yeah because i think a lot of the times in our jobs we're pretty sedentary we sit around for hours um, and we end up having to also give lifestyle advice which actually Im- involves movement um, so I think sometimes even our patients ask us, well, you give us this advice, but what do you do or what do we do for, for our exercise routine or what do we do in terms of movement? Yeah, and it's also more convincing if you do something yourself and you get your patients to do it. Yeah. Um, it's less of a double standard, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, if we, we're both doing practicing lifestyle medicine and we can, we're giving advice, we want to be walking the talk as well. Yeah, so, well, okay, so let's start with you. What's your regular routine or, like, sort of start from the beginning when you started exercising? (laughs) What what routines have you gone through and come up with the current So, So, it's interesting you say this because uh, if if I talk about the beginning, beginning, um, we're probably going back to high school because uh, when uh, I was... Uh, growing up here in Hong Kong, it wasn't really a sports or exercise uh, co- or competition was not really a thing. And it per, like having physical exercise classes or PE classes was often considered something you try to get out of as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really until I went to school in Australia where Um, sports and fitness and gymnastics and swimming classes was really an important part of the week so I was extremely unfit because it wasn't something that was part of my upbringing so I always felt that I was like the last person when it came to running around the oval and I was always short of breath and I was the weakest I didn't have any coordination (laughs) and so I really disliked it until a friend of mine at school, she said, oh, why don't you come to a step aerobics class with me? So I thought, well, what's that? I've never heard of it. <laughs> and so she brought me to the class and there were lots of people there with these steps and the instructor out the front started playing music. Is it one of those Jane Fonda style ones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
really like one of those Jane Fonda style. And so again, it was like, but the instructor was really great because the steps she did was really simple. And I really love music. Like I could really, like I, I was in the choir, I played the piano. So I had an appreciation of music and beats and doing exercise to music was much more motivating to me than just exercising in silence. So that got me hooked. Yeah. And after that one class, I actually, the following week or so, I said to my parents, I need a gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they said, why do you need a gym membership? It's like, I want to go to this, these step aerobic classes. And it wasn't, and so I started going to the gym. I started joining uh, fitness classes because there was, there were other people there as well. So I got to know other people in the class and because I was going at the same time each week, I would meet the same people and I got to know the people there. So it it was a community. A social thing. Yeah. yeah, so it, was a, it really became a social thing for me. I didn't find it a chore to, to move. And so because of that and because of doing it regularly, I actually got fitter. And I felt that I was able to run faster. I didn't feel as slow. I felt like I had more co- coordination. I was more confident about myself. And so it was something that I could do to break up studying or sitting all day. And so from there, I started to explore different things like um, weight training. And how, how did you get into weight training? Because it's a bit of a jump between group classes to oh. going into a room <laughs> with mostly guys. Yeah. Uh, and you know, starting with like, what do I do with this thing? Yeah. So, so my foray into like um, equipment style weight training was not successful <laughs> at all. I absolutely hated it. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. I, again, there was no music to it. So I found it really boring. And then one day at the gym, I noticed that there was a class called a body pump class. And I thought, oh, what's that? And then I saw these people like in the class actually carrying these barbells and they were lifting weights in time with music. Yes. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sensing a common theme. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I said, well, I'm going to try this class because it sounds fun and I want to do weights, but I don't want to do it myself. <laughs> so it was perfect for me, but... Um, what I what I found was again it was a challenge because aerobically I was pretty fit, but it, when it came to strength, um, I was really really weak. So I remember my first class, the barbell was just like a plastic barbell, and I had two one kilo weights <laughs> on both on on each end, and that was what I lifted the entire class. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, it, was, it, was, it was tough. It was a different kind of fitness. And uh, I was actually in uh, university by that time. So I just kept going and over time I actually found that I was lifting heavier with better posture and the instructors were great. So I really learned to move in a way that gained, uh, that built up my strength endurance. And uh, I did that for a number of years and until I actually started working, um, I was encouraged to, because of my coordination and my appreciation of the beat and timing, um, I actually started instructing. So I went and got trained up to be a group fitness instructor while I was actually working as a doctor because I felt that as doctors we were giving 
fitness advice, but most doctors actually have no idea <laughs> what to do and how to move. So that was really when my more professional side of uh, exercise came in. And again, I really loved it. Um, I loved the choreography. I was training, I was trained by Les Mills, New Zealand. So um, all the different types of fitness programs we have, if some people know, they have the barbell fitness, they have step classes, they have like plyometric type classes, they also have kickboxing style group fitness classes. So I trained in all of these and I just loved it. It was just my way of really doing something very different. So if you ever want to get Lorraine to do anything, just play some music. Yeah, <laughs> I'll probably, I wouldn't bust out dance moves. Yeah. <laughs> She'll say yes, yeah. if you put on a good tune. If I recognize that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really how I started. And then it continued, obviously, for quite some time because it was just something that got me out of my head, um, got me out of thinking and got me out of doing something else. And I always found that if I exercise and moved and I sat down and had to do something really mentally intense, I was much more productive. So I found a lot of benefits from having a routine and it wasn't difficult anymore because I, I enjoyed it. Mm. And um, after that, I started to uh, do more uh, heavier resistance training. So I tried powerlifting. I really wanted to understand how heavy I could lift and build that strength. So. I did a bit of that as well and it really taught me um, a lot about pushing through pain and being able to also when it came to life's challenges how to persevere through discomfort so it taught me not just physical but it taught me a lot about myself and what I was capable of or what I'm capable of so I, I still do it. I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the challenge. And now with training, I'm much more in sort of the advanced level. So I have a trainer that I train with um, on a regular basis. And um, I like uh, all sorts and variety of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people think of exercise as something they have to do yeah. uh, because it's good for you. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned quite a few things. You know, first of all, you have to find a way to make it work so that it's not a chore. Mm. And so the positive feedback you get from doing it will continue to motivate you. And secondly, it's not just about the physical aspect, it's also the mental aspect. You know, like at some level of sports, you're gonna endure some pain, whether it's just the muscle soreness from mm. after exercising or feeling you're out of breath, or, you know, just, you know, the, the discomfort of even being in a room with other people who look like they know what they're doing and you don't. <laughs> yeah. And feeling a bit embarrassed and silly. Uh, but all these things are really great for building resilience. I think mm. that's why it's really important for children, particularly to learn to do exercise because it's a group thing, it trains their coordination and it just gives them that sense of competency. You know, like if I can do this, I can do this as well. So it's less of a mental hurdle because they have no reference as to what pain is, right? Yep. Kids nowadays don't have to go through pain. You know, they're not, ha they don't have to go through <laughs> famine or hunger or cold or anything of any kind of physical discomfort. So exercise is really one way where they can build that um, just resilience and competency. And I think it's a trans transferable 
experience because it's not just physical but when we face certain challenges in our life whether it's emotional whether it's at school whether it's at work whether it's in relationships I think there are always um, aspects to it that can be very difficult and being able to know that your body has a, you know an instant feedback um, when it's gone through that process and you know that you're, you're not broken <laughs> or sometimes I still feel I'm broken but I know I can recover from that yeah I think knowing that about yourself it's really a great confidence builder yeah. Yeah. and just so, trusting your body yeah and, and trusting that it can do it and and giving it challenges so it can adapt and you, you do become much stronger yeah so so what about yourself? Myself. So as a child, again, growing up in Hong Kong, you had PE classes. And what I remember about PE classes, they made us do like group dancing. Oh. Uh, like little, oh, like, okay. uh, you know, like if you watched a movie about, you know, the Tudor Queens or something and they do little step dances. Oh. And that's what we had to do. And that was our PE exam. And I just couldn't understand why we weren't doing actual sports like basketball or, <laughs> or running or throwing something and catching it. So I never liked PE in Hong Kong. And then I went to boarding school in the UK and suddenly I was expected to do lacrosse, hockey and rounders mm. um, in addition to everything else. And because everyone had a head start, like it took me a while to figure out just the rules of engagement <laughs> like uh, are you supposed to do that you're not supposed to like what what's considered a block in hockey like what's a, a tackle in Oops, lacrosse that was my own goal <laughs> yeah that was my my side um so again you know it's not nice when it's a team sport and then you get called out last to be on the team uh you just feel like a reject and everybody just had to pick the worst of the barrel um so also growing up i was quite uh, chubby so my parents would do the, the the right thing and you know mm. give me swimming lessons and tennis lessons but I was never really good at it I just kind of I was able to swim so I wouldn't drown mm. yeah so then in in so in the boarding school um, I started picking up badminton and also a little bit of swimming so I was okay at that but it was really when I went to university back here in Hong Kong that I joined the swimming team and it was kind of like a by chance thing because I, you know, like I said, I wasn't great at swimming, but I was just swimming up and down. And then the coach said, oh, we need someone for breaststroke. You do. <laughs> so <laughs> all the good swimmers, they do their freestyle or their breaststroke or their, you know, their power butterflies. And nobody wants to do breaststroke. So they still had to fill up the team. So I kind of got to be that person that got stuck in the breaststroke <laughs> lane and I was reasonable at it you know I won a few you know inter-university like varsity uh, medals but it was just a thing that I did because it also it was the first time I had a group and things that I did together with somebody and just going through competitions cheering each other on was a big um, social outlet it was like a bonding experience so if you go through hardships or bad times together you yeah. end up on the other side being feeling much closer to those people yeah you had a common goal uh, you believed in the same thing you, you supported each other yeah there's a shared mm. experience so that was uh, university and then I kind of just mostly went clubbing 
well that was when the dancing aspect and the, the yeah I, I was like this is great i would go on a like a thursday ladies night because it's free <laughs> and just go dance like it was literally i thought to myself i'll go dance and get a few hours of exercise out of it um so that was like my own version of les mills <laughs> Well, you see, that's that's what I mean. Like, although my introduction to fitness was quite traditional, cliche in the gym, like I still feel that it doesn't have to be. Like, you could still do a lot of things, like walking, going hiking, um, sort of even housework, movement. So all those things are still better than nothing. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be in your standard, you know, full on. Um, gym outfit, gym outfit Lululemon. Like, yeah, <laughs> you don't need all that gear, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if you like, housework's actually a great example because you yeah. do do a lot moving around. So you're wiping the windows, you're vacuuming, yeah, vacuuming. the floor, you're cleaning. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can, tr- you know, spice it up and use your non-dominant hand. Yeah, and and the thing is, I I also think that. Um, those movements are naturally what our body is supposed is designed to, do. to do. Pick something up, yeah. you know, move it here. Yeah. Do some lateral, you know, yeah. core strengthening exercise. You know, even like twisting movements yeah. and getting around corners. Like we don't really do that when we're actually traditionally training, you know, for muscles and like, you know, for I call those the, 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 the mirror muscles, you know, you, we're, we're actually not, just training the front part yeah that you can it's see not necessarily able to transfer into our day-to-day so I feel like as as we get older and when we're looking at going back into more the functional aspects is when I think about what where, what I want to be able to do as I get older is to be able to maintain that function because for me like my grandmother was still very physically active. She still cooked at home. She still did her housework. I mean, she was 70 years old. And my mom, who's 70 years old, is still doing her own cooking and her own housework. And she enjoys that. And that's part of her physical activity. She actually doesn't need to go to the gym or do anything yeah. like that. Because back in the day, they didn't have these things. Well, walk up the hill, you yeah, know, uh, go to the market, carry two heavy loads by. Essentially, that's your farmer's carry. And yeah. Then walk up flights of stairs with your <laughs> Bulgarian <laughs> lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, like, if if we also I mean I remember also my grandmother like we had these really traditional ways of cooking so she would be peeling her potatoes and she would be peeling onions and garlic and she'd be sitting on these little stools that we have and so, so she was doing a, a full squat yeah so and, and this is like she was like 70 years old when she yeah. was doing this so and she, she would just spring up right yeah it's not like she has to hold on to something and you know switch around so yeah so as a kid i just took that for granted and until i actually started working as a doctor and intern and going to geriatric wards and realizing that actually not all grandmothers are like that (laughs) or grandfathers are like that but it just made me even the bed shift to chair yeah it's a chore so for me it made me realize i had family who were able to maintain their function up until a really old age like my grandmother lived until 97 all my grandparents are you know very long lives and my mother is still going strong like she's she's like got no illness she's got no chronic disease which it's almost unheard of like she's on one half of a blood pressure medication that's it yeah 
and um, so I look forward to that. So I want to maintain my function and your mental function. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you and I get to that age, you'll have to be going. <laughs> have uh, you taken your one half yet? <laughs> here's your half of the technology. Uh, yeah, I think like looking at the older generation, they just took it for granted that they moved. My grandmother and well, my grandparents lived on this sixth floor of a walk-up. Mm. And she'd carry her LPG cans oh. up six flights of stairs and five kilos of rice on each arm mm. because she had a, you know, three hungry kids to feed. Yeah. So that was just a normal part of life. And she had those really old school sewing machines where your feet had to pedal. Oh, yeah. So she did a lot of ho- uh, work at home yep. doing uh, seamstress work. And just that movement mm. of the legs is better than sitting yeah. <laughs> statically at the table. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel that it doesn't have to be in a building. You know, there's so many things that we can do. We just forget because now we're chained to an office desk and you know, being a professional. Take the is, elevator. Yeah. <laughs> so get delivery. Yeah. So like, food hunts for you. Right? You yeah, actually go there. All vying for your attention. Yeah, you yeah. just have to press here. So um, I think we're our bodies are not really adequately. Um, suited to this type of lifestyle so we're designed to move and so I think the different kinds of exercise that you and I have experienced I mean there are obviously terms for it there's the aerobics exercise which is more for your heart health and helps with blood pressure it improves your circulation uh, it improves your endurance and improves your mood yeah so so the word aerobic means burning oxygen when you're moving so it could be that you're just walking yeah and you're not uh, out of breath and you can still say a full sentence yeah or you're doing something at a, a slow steady pace that you can maintain for a very long time so that would be any kind of aerobic that you could do easily like mm. walking to work or just taking uh, the bus and getting off an extra station mm-hmm. to get walk up or walking a couple of flights of stairs Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, aerobic exercise is not necessarily having to go onto the treadmill and run like a lab rat. <laughs> <laughs> it just means that you have to move yeah. to, enough to burn some oxygen yes. in your system. Yeah. So and even these days we have these step counters in our watches and our phones. Yeah. So even accumulating ten thousand steps is pretty good already. Yeah. And that takes you out of being physically inactive. Yeah. Because be- being physically inactive is actually a condition. Well, so when people say 10,000 steps, I either get this sort of uh, lost look of like, what does 10,000 steps <laughs> look like? Like, I don't have a frame of reference. Yeah. Um, so normally, they say 10 minutes about 1,000 steps. So if you needed to walk an hour and 40 minutes, that would yeah. give you your 10,000. Uh, and it sounds like a lot, you know, like, what, how am I going to find an hour, 40 minutes of yeah. my day to do it? But actually... When you think about it, you walk from your bedroom out to the kitchen and then you walk to the bathroom and that's multiple times. Yeah. And so if you start increasing the steps in these little bits of um, in-betweens, I yeah. call them, it's actually much easier to get to 10,000 rather mm. rather than trying Doing to... Doing it in one yeah, go. Yeah, in one go. Because then they, it's A, unrealistic to f- try and get busy people to find an hour and a half to walk every day. But yeah. just... 
a couple of more extra steps or flights of stairs or extra bus stop station. Um, everything's pretty manageable. Yeah. Having said that, I, most days when I'm in Hong Kong, I range between three to six thousand. <laughs> well, that's the same for me as well. Yeah, it's just hard. Yeah. Like the lifestyle here isn't that conducive to walking a lot, but it's already better than other cities, right? Because I know people like to say walk up to the peak, or yeah. you know, they live in mid levels, they walk down to central. Um, so yeah. it's already not the worst city to be in. It's not because surprisingly, like majority of Hong Kong is the Hong Kong Island. I think something like seventy percent is actually all greens. Yeah, because so, we've got a massive like most yeah, of it's the mountain, it's, the Victoria yeah, exactly. Peak in between. So there's, there's if, if, I mean, very close even to where I live right now. There's like hiking trails, and yeah. it's very easily accessible. It's just that when we're in these buildings, we fail to look up and see the the rest of yeah. the 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 land. Yeah. So, and I see people take the MTR and they just get off after one stop. <laughs> you know, like yeah. from central to Admiralty, which realistically you can walk you can in walk. about 10, yeah. 12 minutes if yeah. you're doing a brisk walk. Mm -hmm. So just think about, you know, not having to rely so much on door-to-door -door service. Yeah, and there's and perfect walkways as well, connecting the MTRs to different destinations. And yeah. there's like um, footbridges that you can take as well. So it's really doable. Yeah. Okay, so another type of exercise is, um, well, let's do anaerobic exercise because aerobic is the opposite of anaerobic. Yeah. So anaerobic obviously means without oxygen. So what happens when the body can't burn oxygen to uh, use glucose as a source of fuel? Mm. It turns that glucose halfway into something called lactic acid. Mm. And it's an easy way for the body to when in times of lack of oxygen to still squeeze a little bit more excess uh, energy mm -hmm. out of the lactic acid which is a source of energy in and of itself but it has to go to the liver to be recycled back into your normal sugar fuel. yeah fuel so what sort of exercise or how would you classify anaerobic act activity i would say that um very very short intervals um of rest yeah where you're not actually able to fully, fully recover. Uh, recover from the workout yeah so things like interval training mm -hmm. uh, Tabata and uh, sprints yeah so where you're actually having to gasp for air yeah having <laughs> like you literally cannot talk yes <laughs> so when you talk about different levels of activity there are different scales that you can use so one thing I like to say is to people is um, basically when you're doing this exercise you can't complete a complete a sentence, sentence. Yeah. you're literally just saying words if that yeah so then what you do is you don't completely allow your body to recover in between so you might say do something very intense for 30 seconds and then you might rest for another 30 seconds so your recovery isn't complete and you go again and then you would repeat the cycle for maybe eight to ten times yeah so the whole activity actually is not long. It can probably, if you include warm up and cool down, it's probably only about twenty minutes. Yeah. But you're going pretty hard in <laughs> these twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, and I think this is why some people really like it because it's very time efficient. efficient. Yeah. So even if you didn't have time to go to the gym in the morning, all you mm -hmm. have to do is maybe spend ten twenty minutes and set your own 
Tabata timing or you can set whichever mm. timing of rest and exercise you'd like and then have a, a, a circuit of exercises mm. that you can do and essentially push yourself out of it <laughs> yeah um, and feel like you've done something it was intense um, the intensity also helps you with uh, improving your cardiorespiratory yeah. uh, system yeah. so your vo2 max is better your mm-hmm. uh, blood pressure what you will find that it helps people lower the blood pressure um, even though obviously at the time it would go up when you're exercising yes. but it's kind of this flexibility of expanding and cooling down mm-hmm. that helps with um, the training of your cardiovascular system. Yeah, because and the body adapts to that stress. Yeah, and mm. the stress is called hormetic stress. So the word hormesis means you have to have a little bit of a stressor or even sometimes a little bit of a, to- a toxin mm-hmm. to then force the body to compensate and get better at it. Yeah, because one of the things that happens during exercise is that you're generating oxidants, so free radicals as well as inflammation. And that's a good thing because you want the body to be able to then repair itself. So as part of that process, the repair actually allows us to generate more things like mitochondria, which is one of the uh, molecules that help us to make more energy. So when we actually train our bodies and push to our limits and we build up that lactate, we actually get better mitochondrial function. So a lot of the theories that we talk about these days in terms of aging is that the mitochondria does not get replaced or there are less mitochondria for the body to be able to make energy and that's why we start getting a lot of chronic illnesses and disease. So if we are able to do certain types of exercise and uh, particularly interval types of exercise where you're building up that lactate, you actually get a quite a bit of this response. Yeah. So it also helps with, you know, muscle strength and people find that when they do these exercises, overall their their mood is better. Mood is better. Yeah, and generally these exercises are done to music. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes they don't have to be, but it just, just depends. Yeah. So if it's something you're interested in, so for example, if you go for a short walk, right? So rather than walking the whole thing at the same pace, try and do like run for 10 seconds, like do a little sprint and then cool down a little bit and then do another sprint. And you just kind of repeat a a few of these cycles. So that would already be your version of a high intensity interval training. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think sometimes also we've got to be able to realize that not everybody is ready for this type of workout, even though it might be time efficient. We still need to be able to build up our coordination. We still need to make sure that we don't injure ourselves. Yeah. And um, we, we want to be able to assess whether we have um, enough flexibility and that we're not out of balance, in, too out of balance in our biomechanics to be able to do that because a lot of these exercises are fast. Yeah. So somebody who may be very, very overweight may not be suitable for this because they have a lot of weight that's stressing on their joints. Yeah. And they might sprain themselves if they do a sudden sharp movement. Yeah. So it's always good to start in a group class where someone's there to instruct and also to make sure you're safe yeah. to do these exercises. Or go to someone experienced and then get a physical assessment first and understand how where your body is at right now and how to be able to either balance things out or do certain types of exercises that help to activate muscles first before you go in and do something more complicated. So I think there are different... Uh, roles for different practitioners so sometimes I actually 
before somebody starts an exercise, I will refer them to a physiotherapist and just get someone checked out and make sure that um, they don't have any particular obvious imbalances in their body, particularly if they already have back pain yeah. or knee pain or neck pain or shoulder pain. Um, and when they do go and find somebody to coach them to make sure that the coach also does an assessment to make sure that they have the right range of movement in their joints. <laughs> yeah, and also even throughout doing exercise, it's still a good idea to get to your physio because you start finding that once you um, start training, that sometimes there it emphasizes or brings out some of the asymmetries or imbalances mm -hmm. in the body and you start finding you know, why do I always get injured here? Why is this yeah. more tight on one side? And so a physio could really help with identifying and giving you specific training exercises to do so that mm -hmm. you're becoming a bit more um, even on each side so you're not favoring one side or you're increasing the chance of straining a particular muscle or aggravating an old injury. Yeah, so for, on the other hand, maybe some people are already very uh you know veterans of, of exercise they may be mostly for example endurance sports athletes uh triathlons or um they do long distance things Ultra that require yeah things. they require a kind of like a slow burn to get mm. them through so for these people um there's something called like a zone two training so um i got this from peter tia when he was interviewing um a guy who's a mitochondrial specialist mm -hmm. but essentially dividing the exercise zones into six zones uh, some people divide it into five so zone one is a little bit like what we said earlier like you can do something without breaking a sweat or mm -hmm. completing a sentence and then zone two is actually you're still in your aerobic zone yep. but you're training at a slightly higher intensity so that you're almost out of breath mm -hmm. but you're not quite so you're kind of teeter-tottering on that level of mm. training and where I find this is useful is, for example, when I started to do open water swimming, I wanted to be able to swim longer distance. And just doing short spurts in this pool or just doing laps didn't really improve my endurance in the water. Mm -hmm. So if you train in a swim squad where people are pushing you mm -hmm. just a little bit harder to swim certain sets, uh, the endurance level helps because it's not about the cardio anymore like you i know i can swim an extra distance mm -hmm. that certain distance but i'm just not able to do it at a pace where i can sustain it mm, yeah. so i get tired easily or it takes me way too long to do it yeah so for endurance athletes it's something to look up which is you know it's just type in zone two training and you'd find some information there and then another type of training we can talk about is um, strength and resistance training. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially girls, are a little bit maybe afraid of doing really heavy weights yeah. because they think they'll bulk out and they'll look horrible. <laughs> um, and I, I, I admit I used to think that. I thought, you know, just doing too much weight would make you, you bulkier, know, bulkier. You're not, yeah, you're not fitting into nice slim clothes. Um, so I didn't really do it until I joined the all girls gym here mm -hmm. and in, in, in the beginning obviously I didn't know what I was doing but um, the, the coaches were really great and then correcting your posture in small classes mm. meant that you're less likely to injure yourself when yeah. you're lifting heavier weights and the body pump class you mentioned earlier mm. I've done that too and 
it's not so much like heavy weights it's yeah. just a lot of reps yes so it's low lighter weights more uh, repetition, repetition so that's more your strength endurance kind of training yeah so that's almost like the slow burn yeah and um i did it the other way around so i've been doing more um lifting lifting like powerlifting. Yeah. heavier lifting short. and then i went back to do a body pump class for the first time and yeah. i was like why is everyone such a wuss? Why has everyone only got two kilos on each side? Like, I'm sure you can bench press 40 at least. So, you know, you should be able to deadlift yeah. your 80 or something. And I realized like just having 10 kilos on a plastic bar when you're having to do it a hundred times yeah. um, is very, very um, challenging. Very challenging. Yeah. 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 So that, after that lesson, I was like fully defeated. I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe I have something to learn here. Yeah, um, it's actually quite interesting because I started teaching body pump before I really got into weight training. And what I noticed was when I actually then went more seriously into weight training, heavier lifting, less reps, but more um, power, I realized that after a certain period of time, I went back to body pump, I had better endurance with my strength. So even at the same weight, I didn't tire as easily. Yeah. So there was a crossover in terms of improvement because I had done a different kind of weight training yeah. uh, as opposed to lighter weights, higher reps. Yeah. So I think that varying your training also makes your body adapt differently. Yeah. And it, there's always um, a crossover benefit yeah. to, to that. So I think it's for women particularly because we are also much more higher risk of getting osteoporosis through menopause i think having something which is uh weight bearing and we can always do and we can always have consistency it's it's quite important because um, my mother actually had osteoporosis at a very young age she was like in her late 40s so mine as well yeah so it's actually something in our family history so I came much more conscious of that and so when she had her fracture it made me think well what could prevent that and so resistance training was something which I knew about but hadn't really experienced and so I started focusing a bit more about that so I could understand and I mean in terms of bone strength you want a good amount of vitamin D yes is not just about taking calcium yeah uh, we spoke about this <laughs> in another episode uh, but just having the right nut uh, nutrients or supplements still mm. doesn't get your body to understand where to put that calcium. Yes. And mm. so when you're doing heavier weights, you're kind of stressing your bone. Your bone isn't a, a brittle piece of china. It's yeah. actually like a scaffold. So when you stress it, it does bounce back and forth a little bit, even though you wouldn't notice it. And it's this movement of mm -hmm. stressing the bones and pulling and pushing it that gets the body to build this structure yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of like a, a network inside the the bone as in the bone marrow to give it that flexibility yet be mm -hmm. uh, strength has mm -hmm. has strength and so when we say oh you know you have to do resistance training or weight training people just think oh you have to lift crazy weights but <laughs> i can never do that because i'm just don't know what to do but i think the easiest thing is just to use your body weight yeah. you know it's easy enough to put yourself in a slightly slanted position mm -hmm. where you can vary the amount of stress that yeah. is loaded onto your arms or your legs 
and start there you know just move such as squatting yeah. or bodyweight squats or just doing a few planks or push-ups mm. um, and just use everyday things so you know try lifting up your bag and yeah. you know pushing that a few times around yeah or big water bottles or like textbooks you can actually hug and you can do squats with that so yeah there's lots of different tools you don't always have to use equipment yeah and um, it's also about moving uh, groups of exercise because from day to day we're not just moving one exercise it's not just a arm curl or a leg curl or a leg extension it's yeah. actually the, all of those combined together yeah so in terms of functionality for movement that's pretty much what will help yeah. So when I first got into um, bench presses, deadlifting and, and, and squats, I didn't realize it was so fun because for me, it was also the precision of the movement mm -hmm. to get maximum lift out of each uh, body, uh, out of each one rep. And also just how amazing the body can be to lift. I, I am literally deadlifting my husband here. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds awesome to be able to say that, right? You know, I can bench press my own weight. And, yeah. Um, and also, you know, just hanging and doing pull-ups, right? Just pulling essentially, you know, 55 kilos just with my bare hands. It just gives you an immense sense of achievement. So lifting also in a way was, it requires a lot of neuromuscular connection. So I noticed that one side of my glutes was switched off. Mm. And I never notice it because obviously I'm not tripping over myself when I'm just walking, <laughs> right? But when I started to squat or deadlift, I realized that I'm just pushing with one side of the body. I might as well be doing it on, on one oh, leg. leg. Yeah. And so that led me down the series of like, why is my body out of, sh um, out of, of balance. balance? Yeah. Mm. And it's, you know, made me realize that, you know, I've got certain, nobody's perfect and, yeah. and symmetrical. That's understandable. But being able to understand that you have these um, uh, imbalances yeah. and that you can do something preventively yeah. so that A, you're not going to injure yourself as much and B, you're just going to enjoy sports a lot more because you're not feeling you know, achy and pain and, and tightness. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think lifting also is really good for women, especially for their hormonal profile. Um, because when you lift, you're actually kind of pushing your body to make a lot more, um, some more male hormones yep. and kind of increase the growth, uh, growth hormones, hormones as well. So yeah. you're helping the body to build more muscle, muscle mass, mass. Yep. and muscle mass is important because it also helps with improving your insulin sensitivity. And when you've got more muscle, you're going to burn more energy. Yeah. even if you're at resting state yep. so your metabolism starts to pick up so for people who have um, for example polycystic ovarian syndrome where they have some insulin sensitivity or if you are pre-diabetic mm -hmm. or you just find that hormonally you feel a bit weak a bit yin yeah <laughs> um, lifting is a really great way for women to just get that strength and balance out their hormones and also I think it's just a really good way to have what they call post-exercise oxygen consumption. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so compared with aerobic exercise we talked earlier, when you exercise and run, you're burning energy, your, yeah, your oxygen when you're running. So you're, you're metabolizing, so to yes. speak, right? You're mm -hmm. increasing your metabolism. 
but the the effect of the increased metabolism doesn't stay on as long mm -hmm. as if you were lifting heavy so when you lift heavy even though you may only be doing half an hour or 20 minutes the effect of increased metabolism which is burning up all those excess energy lasts for a few more hours so effectively your body's being more efficient even though you have to spend less time doing it you don't have to run a four-hour marathon yeah to get the same effect so one of the reasons probably is because when you have to repair muscle tissue you actually have to make sure that lots of nutrients get to that area so there's a lot more utilization of energy and as part of that repair process so that's why there are actually benefits of weightlifting or resistance training and i think that people should be able to experience both because there are different overlapping benefits and they are synergistic with each other but um, the challenge is we're all different so <laughs> it goes into you know what we can actually spend most efficient time on and uh, through my own journey and my own experiences I have realized that I'm much better at strength sports mm. that it doesn't really take me very much to gain muscle and um, I didn't realize this when I was working out earlier because I was enjoying more of the aerobics kind of workouts. But um, over time, I actually found that, um, that strength sports was something which I could also utilize to help me burn more calories if I actually did it with enough intensity. And so what you talked about just then was one of the ways that for me, instead of doing long distance running or endurance aerobics exercise, my most favorite type of sport is actually circuit style training yeah so that post-exercise oxygen consumption is what i tend to make or utilize the most uh for for me personally and that really only takes 45 minutes and um so i don't have to spend hours at the gym <laughs> but if i trained with a, enough intensity and with a is with, with as little rest as as possible i get this I get the same, if not better, benefits. Yeah. Whereas for other people, it might be very different. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, even though we say this sport is good for this and that sport is good for that, you need to do a sport that you love. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the most important thing is that you continue to do it. Yeah. It's the consistency. Uh, that's, that's really important because we, regardless of how you do exercise, you just have to move. And uh, it's... And, and moving is better than not moving, for sure. Yeah. Sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so also, um, we both do a bit of yoga. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to do Pilates. So the reason why I got into Pilates was because my I was having a lot of back issues. Uh, I naturally have a scoliosis. And uh, I fell off the horse a few times <laughs> and injured my back. And so I started to have this really bad posture of hunching forward. Mm. Uh, and I almost lost a, a couple of centimeters of height mm. because I was just so collapsed yeah. yes, and slouched. So with Pilates, it really helped to do a lot of core strengthening and flexibility and also balancing each side. Mm. And I gained back that couple of centimeters. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So mm. it's really amazing for me how the body can be so flexible and yet be strong. Um, and then I started doing a bit more yoga and also partly it's also for the mindfulness. Yeah. Uh, but yoga for me is more about flexibility even though there's still a lot of poses that require a lot of strength mm. and in yoga I try and focus on my imbalances now so I'm yeah. noticing which side is tighter and I work a bit harder on it 
And yes, there's a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm still amazed how people are so flexible and strong at the same time mm. in yoga classes. And they don't look big, right? They look lean and healthy. And it's, I mean, women, are, like we said earlier, they're, they're worried about bulking, but mm-hmm. actually to properly bulk, you need, you need to have a lot of testosterone. A lot of testosterone, a lot of chicken yeah. breast. And you need to do a lot of protein shakes to get there. So if you're not doing specific things to bulk, yeah. you're not going to bulk. You're going to be, look trim and and toned because yep. you're actually starting to lose the weight and the muscle definition comes out. Yeah. But it's not per se that you're going to bust out of your clothes. All of a sudden, look like Hulk. Yeah, you will just look like a really healthy. You know, version. version of yeah. yourself and yeah. you, you look like you you you're able to move your body in a way that's functional yeah um and you you don't look like you're gonna break when the wind blows <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so how about you like what do you do for flexibility or any stretching for me i actually interesting that you say um about when you do yoga you notice imbalances when i actually weight train i notice those imbalances yeah. because when you're lifting really heavy you want to make sure that both sides are working yeah <laughs> that you're activating both sides and you're activating all the muscles and for me that is a, a barometer for when there are imbalances or when there are tightness uh, in specific areas that i have to focus on and that often actually is because i've been sitting at a desk doing more computer work than I have been so when I go and train and some area is quite tight because I'm actually quite aware of my body um, I realize that I have to make sure that I stretch those areas or activate certain parts or I have a, a massage therapist that I see regularly to try and work off some of the tightness that's accumulated over the years so I'm constantly looking to improve where I can as much as possible so that's why even before a workout, sometimes I will do an activation exercise. So I would stretch, I would activate first before I actually go into a workout. So for me, it's great when a workout is only 45 minutes because after I'm, I've done the workout, that's a great opportunity for me to stretch out. So I use that time where my body is warm, my tendons are warm, my connective tissue is more pliable and flexible to actually roll out some of the tightness that I have. So that's really, I where I find is something that uh, built gets gets automatically built in. So it's a bit of a habit that, that I have. And for me, I, I don't actually go to yoga classes, but I do sometimes at home will practice a bit of yoga poses uh, before I actually do my breathing. So that becomes a, a routine there as well. Mm. So here's an interesting thing, you know, I go to yoga classes because I would never do it otherwise, right? But you have the discipline that you would, you would do that at home by yourself. So I think what is hard for people when they don't exercise or haven't exercised for a while is to start is the first thing. And then secondly, to maintain it. Mm. And the easiest thing to try and do is something that is the closest to you and that's the most accessible with the least friction the lowest threshold because if it gets too hard the habit won't stick it has to be literally something you can do without even thinking yeah so whether Mm. that's just going to the park downstairs for a little walk or um you know going to the closest gym or Mm. getting a friend to help you and be a gym buddy 
or picking an exercise that you can do frequently. You yeah. know, if you have access to nature, like we were saying earlier, Hong Kong mm-hmm. is actually very accessible, and a lot of people like hiking. Yeah. Um, and so make it social, make it fun. Yeah. Um, and also, it's not about willpower. Like yeah. humans think <laughs> that we can change habits with willpower or knowledge. Yeah. Actually, it's it's about the community. Like yeah. for a lot of us, um, being part of something like. You know whether it's my swim group or you know mm. CrossFit or going to a gym class and seeing the same people, having a rapport with your instructor because you go yeah. to the same classes. Yeah. Um, even just you know knowing the receptionist by name. Yeah. You know that all makes it so much more human. Yeah, there's a connection to it, and I think it's important because whatever new behavior you want to get into, it's important to ask yourself. What does it actually mean to you, and how do you feel if you achieve that goal? Because I know for a fact that some people hate going to the gym, but they do go because afterwards they feel so good about themselves. So sometimes it's not the actual the the process is painful, but because they feel more confident, they feel um, that they have more energy, that they are strong. So they actually go for the results of that. And so it's important to understand what that is for each and every one of us because they're all different. So if we can understand that and we can make that decision each time when we don't go and do something, then we're basically depriving of ourselves of some a positive benefit. So I think it's important to attach that to whatever fitness goal, even whatever sort of lifestyle goal that you have that's new and, and difficult, not part of routine. Yeah, so I hope people will find this helpful and <laughs> try different types of exercise. All the ones we talked about have their own benefits, and yeah. it would be great to be able to have a variety so that you're training your body through different types of movement and mm. strength and mobility, and then make it a life habit and be open-minded. Try different things, and sometimes you might not like one, but then. You know, you might like something else, or you might have to do it a few times, and you before you actually really think about whether or not it's something you want to do. So, yeah. and I think every kind of exercise works. It's really just whether or not you can stick with it, um, and whether or not it's something that you can do with other people. Yeah. So, well, yeah. next time we'll try and talk about how to recover yeah. <laughs> from these exercises because yeah. the recovery part is just as important. Mm-hmm. So, wait for our next episode. Great. See you so, next time. You can find us at anantawellbeing.com and follow us at anantawellbeing on Facebook and Instagram. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review to help other like-minded people find us. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and is not intended to treat or diagnose any medical condition. This podcast and its producers disclaim any responsibility for adverse effects that result from the use of this information. Opinions of guests are their own and are not endorsed by this podcast. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions. We do not make any representation or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Both producers and guests may have direct or indirect interest in the products and services mentioned. If you think you have a medical condition, please consult a licensed physician.